Before we get started, a quick disclaimer. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing you hear is an offer or a solicitation to buy or sell any investment. With that, hello and welcome to the Rangely Capital Podcast. I'm Andrew Walker, Portfolio Manager at Rangely. And with me, as always, is my co-host and Rangely's founder, Chris Demuth. Uh, today's podcast, we're talking all about Uber. Uh, so, Chris, Uber's been in the news quite a bit recently. Uh, I'm counting about five prominent stories in the Wall Street Journal this month alone, which, you know, that, that's quite a bit. Uh, the stories include them shorting, shortchanging NYC drivers by millions in the fares they've paid them over the past couple of uh, years. Uh, they're facing a federal probe over their use of a gray ball software to avoid regulators. There is a war over driverless technology due to a Google engineer they hired who Google claims stole kind of trade secrets and uh, technology secrets and all this sort of stuff. And all of that, plus some issues with sexual harassment, a leaked video of the CEO yelling at an Uber driver. It uh, It's just been really messy. The company's kind of looking for a COO to provide what, they're, what they've called in uh, Techland as adult supervision after Google getting adult supervision for a couple of years in the 2000s. Uh, but Chris, before I dive into the, these uh, things, I just kind of want to turn it over to you. You know, Do you have any things on overarching things about Uber you want to talk about? I love it as a customer. I love it as a company. I root for them uh, just as a disruptor uh, going up against uh, taxi and livery uh, commissions that are corrupt, overpriced, sleazy, and uh, it's fun to see somebody ruin a monopoly. So I, each one of these individual articles, I kind of come with a pro-Uber bias and want to think, oh, this is probably okay. And then you read the details and I think... Uh, sort of not ideal for a small startup, wholly inappropriate for a corporation of their scale. And uh, it's kind of like if you have a kid that's been growing too quickly and you haven't quite thought about like buying them clothes rapidly enough, and then you look at them and I'm thinking, wait, that just doesn't fit at all. And their behavior doesn't fit their corporation anymore. You know, we're going to – the two I want to focus on are is Google versus Uber in this, uh, this kind of stolen technology through the hire thing and the NYC uh, shortchanging driver scandal. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I thought kind of ran through all these stories is – and tell me if, you're wrong, if you think I'm wrong or feel differently – Uber, uh, you know, they really grew because there were a lot of laws around. There were a lot of local taxi laws and Uber just said, screw it. We're not going to follow any of them. Growth at all costs, grow no matter what, and let the laws change for us. You know, local regulations be damned. And it worked, right? Consumers loved them so much that uh, they were so much cheaper than taxis. They grew. But a lot of these things seem to be screw every law, screw every regulation. Like we're going to do whatever it takes to grow and win. And while that helps you get there, you know, at a company their size, it, it might not be the best strategy anymore. And they should know they have a big target on their back. They have real enemies in the regulators, uh, in the uh, competitors that they are destroying left and right. So they, they clearly have a very warm place in my heart. I, I love every aspect of how they got here and uh, think, though, that they don't play defense as well as they play offense. Yep. Um, yep. You know, if you look at... Uh, the situation with Google, I think it's very interesting because it shows how uh, committed both of the companies are uh, to driverless car technology. Let's go back and I'll I'll give a little bit of an overview so everybody knows what we're talking about. So this was, you know, front page Wall Street Journal, all that sort of stuff. Uh, In 2007, Google hires an engineer. Uh, Weeks later, the Google, that engineer registers a startup that was going to help develop technology related to his Google projects, including on a self-driving car, uh, four years later, Google finds out about this, and instead of reprimanding the engineer, they actually buy his startup for $20 million, which is a, a pretty nice payday for your side job. 
Uh, anyway, in, in uh, January 2016, the engineer leaves Google and goes and starts his own company. Uh, Uber buys that company out for $680 million in August. They named the engineer the head of their driverless car technology. Uh, Google sues Uber uh, and the engineer, alleging that the acquisition was just a way for the uh, engineer who stole a bunch of documents. I think it was like 14,000 documents or something. Just a way for Uber to basically steal their trade secrets through this aqua hire. Uh, and Google's actually won some injunctions and a return of the file, files. The judge has referred the case to the Justice Department for possible investigation of trade secret theft. So, Chris, you started talking about it. I'll just turn it back over to you. You know, it, it shows how much uh, more political influence the kind of old line uh, East Coast companies have. When somebody left Goldman and brought a bunch of documents, they actually had the government just go and arrest them. So, at least <laughs> with Google, they have to rely on uh, civil law and on uh, a non litigation like this. Um, it's really hard when you have these engineers to sort out. Uh, when and what? I mean, they can go back to the computers. You know, when were you working on something? Yeah, is a really subtle issue, especially for younger people and more tech savvy people who are on mobile devices constantly going back and forth between devices uh, uh, throughout the course of the day. So I think this is going to be hard to unsort, uh, especially given uh, that Google allowed him this side hack that mm-hmm. ended up being worth twenty million dollars. I mean, my thought. Is that you kind of, uh, it's like he wants it both ways. I mean, he's getting a presumably high salary and so forth as this job within Google. But then is if you're able to create something of that amount of value. So there, there's this funny precedent that Google already had. It'll be hard to sort out having people with long tenure with 100% commitment and being paid for that 100% commitment. Boy, it's certainly the easiest way to sort out the liability and the, 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 the IP value. I 100% agree. And you know, one thing that the Wall Street Journal article makes kind of clear is it talks about how it's not uncommon for Google employees to have these side projects. Now, it does make, it does make clear that uh, this employee in particular... They say, you know, it was kind of conflicted. He, It was very weird for him to be working on a project directly related and to kind of be involved with selling products back to Google. But that's, ex- I, I just wonder, is this an, an inevitable downside of saying, hey, employees, like, feel free to be entrepreneurial. Feel free to ha- have kind of side hustles. And if you have a really nice side hustle, we're not going to reprimand you. We're going to buy you out. Like, it, that line just keeps getting pushed and pushed. Uh, you know, even if you're co-CEOs, right now, Larry Page, he's got a business or two that he is invested in and works on on his spare time. If you're pushing that much entrepreneurialism, people are going to keep pushing those boundaries. And as you said, if all of the kind of value comes from intellectual property, not like big physical plants, how do you stop people from when they realize they've got something that's worth $100 million, not $1 million, from going, taking it, doing their own startup, and then trying to turn around and sell it to the highest bidder? I, I don't have a great answer. I mean, where uh, IP physically is, is just... Uh is just a really tricky thing. And I think the technology uh, has has changed it. Um, I was once getting my hair cut in New York and by accident grabbed a bag that ended up being a very senior person at a financial institution. And he had all these documents. And I just saw that it wasn't my bag. It called him and he was like extremely uh, perturbed that uh, he had uh, grabbed the wrong bag and I had grabbed the wrong bag. Uh, at a time a number of years ago where it was physically all there like where Mm -hmm. where the ip was was like it was in this bag uh and uh but there's nothing like that now i mean this is all you know probably within a corporation it's bouncing back and forth between locations and so uh, the idea that you move something when you move 
home or when you move jobs, it's kind of organic. And it makes me think of that story. I, I don't know the full details of it. A lot of years ago, Mattel had one of their key engineers or something leave and start up. What was it? The Care Bears or the Cabbage Patch Dolls or whatever. And Mattel said, "Hey, we had you under contract. We got all your IP. We, anything you made was RIP while you were under contract when you were doing these." They could reference drawings that he made while he worked for them. And I, I believe they won some IP or something. I don't know. But if Google is going to be constantly encouraging employees saying, hey, it's okay to go do side projects, mm-hmm. how do you defend any super valuable IP? Uh, it, it's got to be difficult. And you've got to think they're going to lose some of these kind of bigger side bets. Now, at the same time, maybe Google kind of weighs the risk reward and says, as long as we're not losing the two, three hundred, four hundred million dollar type side bets like this guy tried to allegedly steal from them i suppose maybe they've done the risk reward and realized it's worth it but i don't know just interesting question going forward and a lot of companies are going to have to deal with it and the scale is one that's kind of interesting because the 20 million dollar payment it it could be from google's perspective that that's they're happy with that cost of doing business Mm -hmm. um but i mean they're just so big that they can at least in the short term brush under the rug the kind of moral hazard issue from uh, creating this incentive. I mean, this is not a way to stop people from doing this. Cool. So let's turn over to the Uber shortchanging drivers. So, uh, you know, there's an article front page. It says Uber owes New York City drivers tens of millions of dollars. So apparently they were applying their service fee that their cut, the cut they take of driver's fare, they were taking it to the gross fee. So after sales tax, instead of to the net fee before sales tax, their terms of service said to the drivers, hey, we're going to take it from the net fee. It ends up with them charging about 2.6% more from drivers than they said they would. Now, you know, 2.6% of every ride is not a huge sum individually, but in total, it ends up being tens of millions of dollars. Uber clearly knows they did something wrong and that they're on the hook for something here because they immediately came out and said, hey, we're going to make full repayments to everyone. We're going to play 9% annualized interest rates to anyone who we owe money to. Like, we're going to be paying promptly. If you're a driver for us, it's going to be in your bank account tomorrow. So obviously, they know it's bad press. You know, add this up to the video of the Uber CEO berating a driver. And you just have to wonder, you know, do you think Uber has issues with drivers going forward? Do you think this is more big headline, but nothing serious going forward? I'll, I'll kind of turn it over to you. Definitely. My last... Wait, definitely to which one? Oh, I'm sorry. Definitely they have problems. Uh, I, I was... No, I don't think this is going to get in trouble. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I had an Uber driver recently. Um, I was going to say my last Uber driver, then I was worried he'd get in trouble if they backed into who it was, who was sitting there with both Uber and Lyft at the yeah. same time uh, and uh, playing them off each other. And there's even other services that are specifically out there designed around a business model that says, hey, we'll be Uber, except we'll treat the drivers better. And uh, you know, I think that there's constraints on all sides. I think that they're going to uh, struggle with that issue with the driver reputation for yeah. Yeah, look, I listen to a lot of podcasts and a lot of them Lyft is advertising. And one of the key things they advertise is, hey, Uber doesn't let you – they don't mention Uber by name, but they, they basically say Uber doesn't let you tip your drivers. And we let you tip your drivers. Tip drivers are happier drivers. We treat our drivers better, so come ride with us. We treat our drivers better, so come be a driver for us, not for Uber. Uh, so, yeah, I definitely think that's interesting. Uh, you know, Uber's whole thing is – we're not always going to be a ride-sharing service driven by people. Eventually, there are going to be uh, you know, self-driving cars, and mm-hmm. we're not going to have those drivers, and our costs are going to go way lower. And you can't just help but wonder, are they just trying to get to self-driving cars a little too quickly with the way they're kind of treating, uh, with the way they're kind of treating their drivers? The, the day before the tech rolls out, they're going to have their last driver storm out and say, oh, I quit, <laughs> and done. And then they light up the self-driving the next day. Yeah, and, and then, you know, again, it's just, 
a bad look because on Friday, they also acknowledge, hey, we've decoupled what we pay drivers from what the customers charge us, which means they keep drivers are still ostensibly making the same amount. But during like big surge pricing times and stuff, they might keep more of what the riders are paying. So you do wonder just like, is all this bad press? Is it really going to lead to people shifting over to Lyft, drivers shifting over to Lyft? I know personally, I found Lyft to be much cheaper a lot of times recently, and I've started using Lyft more than Uber, but that's just one person, but. Interesting. Yeah, no, and, and I think that a lot of the drivers, in my experience, are pretty sophisticated people. They're not, this is not uh, actually in any of the cases that I've gotten into conversations with them, their life goal. You know, a lot of them are grad students or people who are going off to different things. And I think they're going to be uh, thoughtful and just savvy about finding the best gig. Yep. And then I thought it was kind of interesting a couple of days ago, uh, Google and Lyft actually came out and said they're announcing a partnership to help get them to self-driving technology. So it kind of brings the story back full circle, right? Like Google suing, suing Uber, Uber might be losing some drivers to Lyft, and Lyft and Google are now uh, announcing a partnership to kind of team up and do everything. I just thought that that was kind of interesting. Uh, Chris, any, any last thoughts before we kind of wrap it up here? I have nothing to add. Perfect. So that's all the time we have for today. Before we hit our disclosures, just a quick reminder. If you like this podcast, please be sure to follow and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or Audio Boom. Uh, disclosures, Chris, I don't believe we're long any of the stocks we talked about today. I think we only talked Google. Yeah. So uh, no, no. Uber, super private company, 70 no. billion market cap, but uh, not publicly traded. All right. That's all the time we have for today. We'll talk to you guys later this week.